0: It is back on the calendar. Round five takes us to the historic, iconic street circuit of Monaco for the Monaco Grand Prix in Monte Carlo, a race that was not on the 2020 calendar. We've got a preview of that. We've got news and notes around Formula One. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. I am Tony Dazziri. Glad you could be with us. And a request, if you like what we do, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It certainly helps with the promotion as we grow our audience here at the Overtake. So this is the race for me when it comes to the formula one calendar this is one of the crown jewels of all of motorsports. it's uh, it's 24 hours of levan you've got the indianapolis 500 and you've got the monaco grand prix they make the triple crown of motor racing yes overtaking is very difficult this is one of the criticisms you'll see it on social media people say oh monaco it's outdated man i can't uh, watch this there's no passing but this is an iconic street circuit it's a historic street circuit and it's one i look forward to every year because I like the setup I like the fact that this is an old race That the race track in and of itself Hasn't changed much over the years Plenty of history, plenty of those Heartbreaking and rewarding moments Of drivers winning this And it's one of those races And let's be honest, that it's got a who's who Of Formula 1 race car drivers who have won this thing When you look at other sports Golf, tennis, there are just events Major championship, grand slam events That are just more important on the calendar NASCAR is the Daytona 500 IndyCar has the Indy 500, and for Formula One, it's the Monaco Grand Prix. In fact, if you talk to non-Formula One fans, people who don't follow the sport on a regular basis, they know about Monte Carlo. They know the race through the streets. My parents, for example, went to Monte Carlo a couple of years ago for vacation, part of a European cruise. My father and my mother, who do not know anything about Formula One, knew exactly where they were and knew exactly what goes on. They saw the grandstands and immediately knew that there was a race there, a famous race there, even if they could not identify Formula One as the cars that race through the streets. So again, Again, iconic circuit, historic race. Lewis Hamilton won the last time we were there in 2019, held off Max Verstappen for the checkered. Verstappen got a five-second penalty, so he ended up finishing fourth. Pirelli going with C3s for the hards. You probably will not see them. C4s for the mediums. The softest compound, the C5s, will be introduced at this race, and it's the first time that Pirelli has brought C5s to a racetrack this season. Teams will be using higher downforce setups for this racetrack. It has got the slowest corner in all of Formula One. That's the Fair hairpin, the very famous hairpin that you've seen in all sorts of pictures and all sorts of videos. There will be no running on the circuit Friday. The street will be opened up to the public. Practice sessions will be on Thursday, qualifying Saturday. Expect a one stop strategy in the Grand Prix. There are five, count them, five former champions of this race in the field. Besides Hamilton, Daniel Ricciardo is one here, Kimi Raikkonen, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel all have claimed the top podium in Monte Carlo. This also in interesting enough, is the first race of the season featuring a track that did not hold a race last year. So there's going to be a lot of special feelings going into this one. Like we're back, things might be a little bit more normal because all of the racetracks that we have run so far, Bahrain, Imola, Portugal, Spain, were all part of the 2020 COVID makeshift calendar that Formula One had put together. Yes, you still have cancellations in the sport, Canadian Grand Prix called off. The race in China has been called off, but Monaco is very important to have on the 2021 calendar, and it is a very good sign for the sport. All right, so what are a couple of things that we should be watching for for Sunday's Monaco Grand Prix? Well, first and foremost, and this is probably the most obvious one, is qualifying. It's extremely important at every Grand Prix. It is the most important when it comes to Monaco, and it's simple. The criticism of this race, especially from new and younger fans, is no overtaking. Hardly any place to really overtake on this circuit. So, again, where you start this race is extremely, extremely important. There's more emphasis on the Saturday qualifying than anywhere else in Formula One. Now, I do agree with some people who have said, look, if you were to create Monaco today, if the if the principality said we'd like to host a Formula One race and look, here's what we'll do. We'll run on this track. We got this really cool hairpin and we've got a tunnel and it goes around a pool. I I think this would be Formula One would probably not go to Monaco. It would probably not. Stand the test of time, but because of the historic nature, I've been running this thing since the 1920s. For crying out loud, and the sort of importance this race has on in the motorsports calendar—not just in Formula One, but the motorsports calendar—you you got it. You got the good with the bad. You've got a lot of good things that you should look forward to. To this Monaco Grand Prix, overtaking uh, is not one of them. So again, qualifying extremely important. McLaren and Ferrari in their race for P3. It is very close. Only five points separating the two teams in the standings. Daniel Ricciardo does very well at Monaco. 85 career points at the circuit. That's his best racetrack on the calendar. Charles Leclerc, who is from Monaco, Ferrari driver, has not done well at his home track. He shredded his tires in 2019 after some contact with Nico Hulkenberg that damaged his floor. He has yet to even earn a point at this race in his F1 career. He has two retirements. He has also not even made it to Q3 in qualifying. So you've got, again, McLaren and Ferrari, these two teams have sort of separated themselves as the best of the rest in the battle for P3, and you've got a lot of things to like about where McLaren is going, and you want to see some things for Ferrari, including Charles Leclerc, who's had a very good season so far, and I'm sure the pressure is building to do well at his home track. Number three, and I think this is a big one because it goes to the larger issue of what's going on in Formula One right now, and that is Red Bull's advantage at Monaco. This circuit demands a higher downforce setup, and that fits perfectly to what Christian Horner and Red Bull do. Daniel Ricciardo won the race for the team in 2018. Now, if you go back to 2019, Max Verstappen was right behind Lewis Hamilton throughout the whole race. They made contact coming out of the tunnel into the chicane, but Verstappen got a five-second penalty for an unsafe release in the pit, so he ended up fourth, but that, looking at the way the race was developing. You knew his car was strong. You knew the setup was strong for Red Bull, and that was two years ago. We feel like the gap is closer now, so look at look for this coming up on Saturday as we try to see a closing of the gap between what Mercedes and Hamilton have already done so far this season and where Red Bull would like to be as we continue along through these rounds of the year. Hamilton has won three of the four races so far this season. He has responded right back to every single single challenge that Red Bull has sent their way. Red Bull has shown how good they are in qualifying this year. As we said earlier, that is a very key component to how you are successful on this circuit. There is a advantage for Red Bull here that they can close this gap. This is something I've been saying for the last couple of previews. I do not want to see Mercedes and Hamilton pull away from this fight. I think it's critical to Formula One to have a one-two punch of Mercedes, Red Bull, Hamilton, Verstappen, some sort of conversation that we can have going into every single Grand Prix, rather than another historically dominant season by Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. If it's gonna come back a bit, as Hamilton and Mercedes has sort of left the station a bit over the last couple of races, it should be here. This is where Red Bull can sort of take advantage of all of their advantages and close that gap to Mercedes. All right, one other thing to look for, this is a little bit of a small thing, but it was something I felt like I needed to point out is Alpine is on the uptick, especially Esteban Ocon. He has had a good qualifying run over the last two races. He has earned points in the last three. He is beating out his teammate, Fernando Alonso. The team did struggle early at this part of the season, you know, the sandwich bag situation for Alonso at Bahrain but they have used the series of updates properly. They're going to, they've been doing much better. Uh, you could see the results in Portugal, in Spain. Look, there's still a good ways out right now of the P three battle with McLaren and Ferrari, but they can close that gap with some really strong results. And you never know if one of those two teams or both of those two teams struggle this weekend or struggle in the next few races that Alpine could be right back into the conversation for that P three in the constructors. So take a look at that. If you're looking going down the order, uh, outside of the top, what those will mean as we leave Monaco and Monte Carlo coming up this weekend. Uh, another thing to look forward to, this is getting some buzz in the paddock and that is will Hamilton and Max Verstappen collide in this tight circuit. We've sort of kind of been waiting for them to do that, right? It almost seems inevitable. Uh, Zach Brown and McLaren does think it, it's that it's inevitable that these two will eventually run into each other and create an issue and create a problem. They are racing hard. They're going side by side. It is naturally it is natural to suspect that the two of them will run into each other. Hamilton, when asked about this, sort of said, you know, Max has got more to prove. He's more of a marathon, not a sprint guy. He can see how long this season is going to be, so there's no need to make a mess of these races early on when he's battling with Verstappen, but Max shot this down quickly. He said, look, I've got nothing to prove. Um, He noticed that it goes both ways, right? That they're both racing hard. Um, They did collide, as I mentioned earlier in Monaco back in 2019. But I agree with Zach Brown. I mean, it's inevitable. If these two guys are going to be running as hard as they are, it's inevitable that there is going to be some collision. Whose fault it is? I don't know. What will be the end result? I don't know. But of course, that is going to hurt Red Bull. If there is a collision that knocks both of these guys out of the race, this is one of those situations where it hurts Red Bull because they've got some ground to catch up for Mercedes, who's got a lead right now. All right, uh, some news and notes going into the Monaco Grand Prix coming up this weekend. Lando Norris has signed a contract extension with McLaren. This is a no-brainer for the team. Norris is an up-and-coming, rising star in the sport. He so far is having a fantastic season. He's currently fourth in the driver's standings. He has a podium finish at Imola. Plus, and this is the key, it gives the team stability. Norris would have been a hot free agent after this season on the open market. No question about that. 21 year old, young driver, good following, good fan base, successful on the racetrack. McLaren signing him and locking him in is an absolute deal that you had to make. But this is also true that it keeps him and Daniel Ricciardo as teammates through the 2023 season. And you've heard this a lot. Stability is a key in Formula One. If you can get it, great. If you can hold on to it, even better. McLaren would probably really like to hold on to these two as long as they possibly can. McLaren is starting to put some things together with the new rules coming next year in 2022. The team has everything going in the right direction right? Everything going right now. So getting this contract done rather than dragging it out into the break or into the second half of the season, this helps the team's focus on the future. Norris is extremely well-liked by fans, extremely well-liked by his team. Engineers love him. The fans love him. I mean, there's so many things to like about Lando Norris. This was a no-brainer. All right, there is a note of change to the schedule. The Turkish Grand Prix has been removed from the calendar due to travel restrictions to that country by the UK where most of the Formula One teams are based. So Formula One changed the calendar. The race replaced the Canadian Grand Prix, and now the series will run at Austria twice in back-to-back races. They moved the French Grand Prix to June 20th rather than the 27th. So just to sort of simplify this, the French Grand Prix has been moved up a week, and then after that will be back-to-back races at Austria to sort of make up for the cancellation of the Turkish Grand Prix. Then the final race at Austria will be on July 4th, and that'll complete the triple header. Now, I loved the Turkish Grand Prix last season. It was one of my favorite races of the year, but mostly because of the weather. It was raining, it was wet, slippery, there was a lot of action. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so that race in particular was a 4 a.m. wake-up call for me, and I got up to watch it. It was a little weird to get on your day off to be up watching a Formula 1, but I've been doing it for a while, so I had no problems but 4 a.m. is a little earlier than I get here in Tennessee for Formula One races but I loved it again was my fit one of my favorite races of the year last year now I hope that Formula One can reschedule this race in the latter half of the season they said they are open to do that if the restrictions sort of lend itself to travel to that country but I find that hard to think that that's going to happen they've already got 23 races on the calendar I don't think they're going to add one um so unless a, a track Bows out If we lose another race Because of COVID restrictions In other parts of the world Maybe this can be revisited Istanbul Park is a fan favorite You got Turn 8 How can you not love Turn 8 It was good to see it back On the calendar last year uh, For the first time in 2010 uh, There has been more buzz lately About the topic of a future American driver in Formula 1 If you'd love to hear my thoughts on that uh, Focusing on Colton Herda, Who had won the St. Petersburg Grand Prix In Florida in the IndyCar series Check out episode Four. Of the Overtake F1 podcast, I discussed that in our preview of the Portuguese Grand Prix. It's part of that preview, so check that out if you're interested in hearing how we buzz about a future American Formula One driver. Uh, one other note: McLaren will be running a new livery for the Monaco Grand Prix, bringing back the Gulf colors for the race. They launched that earlier this week on on social media. It was fantastic; the reviews were excellent. I loved it. Uh, when Gulf Oil re-upped their sponsorship with the team, fans wanted to see them introduce the colors into a new livery. Um, Ferrari did this last year They ran a one-off livery at Mugello To celebrate their 1000th Grand Prix Sort of a scarlet burgundy look Mercedes did the same thing in 2019 For their 100th Participation in motorsports for the company Formula 1 teams usually do not do that though NASCAR, if you watch that sport They change colors and schemes all the time And they do it for sponsors If you're driving, like Kyle Busch Drives the M&M car And you want to introduce a new M&M flavor Or a new M&M design Teams change That constantly. Um, But Formula One is a little reluctant to do that. They don't want new liveries all the time. So you have to ask their permission to do so. You have to give the reasoning. And most of the time, if it's a good reasoning, if it's a good celebration, especially a sponsor, which is critical to the success of teams, they usually say, sure, absolutely. If you're celebrating something really important, like a 1000th Grand Prix for Ferrari, that's usually going to be given the green light to do so. So I, will there be a rule change that will allow teams to, to, to do one-off liveries a little bit more in the future? I, I mean, I kind of hope so. It's kind of cool. I love the Ferrari red. I think that's, I mean, it's iconic. But that scarlet burgundy look at Magello last year, that looked really great. I did. I like that a lot. I understand the FIA's rationale for this. They don't want teams to do this often because when you're trying to generate new fans and, you know, not, not only that, but just as a service to old fans as well, You don't want to mix up the look too much. You don't want to mix up the expectations of what they see when they're watching it on TV or at the racetrack. So you want to keep it as simple as possible. And you want to keep it as recognizable as possible that I do understand. And so There's a part of me that loves to see one-off liveries, but I don't want to see a consistency of this. I don't need a celebratory livery for everywhere we go to honor the racetrack or to honor a moment or to honor a sponsor. I think teams come into the season with a certain look. It's one of the reasons why we have these beautiful car launches in the off-season, getting ready for the upcoming year. Uh, That's what you should recognize when you watch a Grand Prix. But every now and then, to make a big, huge celebration, I think that's great. And for McLaren, their partnership with Gulf Oil has been around since 1968 when Bruce McLaren was running the team. So I completely understand why you would want to do that. All right, so let's get some predictions for the Monaco Grand Prix. Well, not really predictions, but sort of thoughts of where teams are going to need to finish or how they're going to finish. I do think this is a Verstappen-Hamilton race again, as we've seen all season long. I don't think either one of these drivers is going to make the big mistake, but Monaco is certainly a circuit where that can happen. It's very, very tight. You make one simple slip, you hit the wall, Max certainly has done it, and then your race day is over. Um, You also don't, you know, as you get to lap traffic and whatnot, it's, you know, strange things have happened at Monaco. Monaco. We've seen a lot of drivers retire who had strong cars and that certainly can happen here. But in the end, I think both of these drivers are on their game right now. And I do think they're going to be battling for the, the, the checkered flag at the end. I don't think either one of them is going to find themselves out of this race at any particular moment. I do hope that Charles Leclerc does well at his home track. I think it's got to be awful to have grown up in Monaco, born there, raised there, seen this race every single year. And so far in your Formula One career, you have not lived up to an expectation on your home circuit. I mean, I don't know how much pressure he's putting on himself to do well at Monaco, but I hope it, it comes out uh, well for him and for Ferrari as we continue the battle for the P3. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Alpine is on an uptick, but... Aston Martin is not. They are still struggling this year. I know they're looking to hope forward to 2022, so a lot of the reasoning that people are given for their failures this year has everything to do with that, but still you, you're putting together a team that was supposed to be somewhat competitive, coming off a, a, a promising year last year, but we'll see what they can do at Monaco. I don't think they're going to do particularly well. Uh, Williams Racing celebrating its 750th Grand Prix. This is one of the best teams in the history of Formula One, even though they're not running you know near the top anymore, but it's still one of the teams that when you think about all the great drivers who have ran for Williams over the years, it's going to be a lot of memories. It's going to be a lot of recollections of the Williams Racing family. Uh, Again, all of the years that they've ran with Frank running the team and now Doralton Capital now taking over after buying it from the family last season. So enjoy Monte Carlo, everyone. We'll be back next week with a review of the race. A reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review if you like what we do. It really does help with our promotion. We are seeing new countries every single day downloading the show. So thank you all around the world who have participated in listening to what we're doing here at the overtake. I will see you next week. I'm Tony Deziri. If you'd like to contact me on Twitter, you can do so at Tony D radio. If you'd like to email the show, the overtake F one podcast at gmail.com. So again, enjoy the Monaco Grand Prix Enjoy the cars, making the turn at Sandoval going up to Mirabeau, right down to the hairpin and Portier and tabac and brass uh, a great racetrack great race circuit enjoy it coming up this weekend again check it out check us out next week for the review of the monaco grand prix i'm tony dasiri and this is the overtake f1 podcast